More than one in three people will face cancer in their lifetime. Unfortunately, fear can stop you from getting your cancer screening, but it won't stop cancer. Early detection can save your life. Don't wait for symptoms to appear to act. Cancer screening is safe, effective, and accessible for everyone, including free or low-cost screening programs. Go to cancerscreeninfo.com right now for free screening resources and recommendations from the American Cancer Society. Don't wait. Early detection can save your life. Go to cancerscreeninfo.com today. Cancerscreeninfo.com. Everyone loves shopping online. Well, I'm going to tell you what I tell my golf buddies when they buy clubs. Stop searching for coupon codes. Download Capital One Shopping to your computer. Capital One Shopping instantly searches for available coupon codes and automatically applies them at checkout. Plus, it's free, and you don't even need a Capital One card to use it. That's like hitting a hole in one without even trying. Capital One Shopping. It's kind of genius. What's in your wallet? Savings and available coupons vary. It's summertime, and at my bookie, that can only mean one thing. It is winning season. Winning season means doubling your first deposit. Winning season means free bets, super contests, survivor, and more. And at my bookie, winning season's all about your chance to win big. Bet NBA playoffs, NHL, Major League Baseball, UFC, golf, and then some. The craziest sports summer we've ever had. It's simple make your picks, win big, collect your cash. Invest in your sports intuition, people. Select from hundreds of futures bets. You can bet games in real time with MyBookie's live betting. Put that big old brain of yours to good use and use promo code ZABE, Charlie, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo, Echo, and double your first deposit. New players get up to $1,000 in free play, designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games that you bet. Thousands of cross-sport wagers, props, and parlays await. Sign up now and bet with the best and celebrate your victory. Your winning season begins today only at MyBookie. Today on the Zavecast, anybody up for a one-game season? Apparently, North Dakota State is. Call Her Daddy, the podcast review by a middle-aged white dude. Andy Poland joins me to talk Tom Brenneman's fatal mistake, Dan Snyder's new billionaire trouble, and why there aren't any white American NBA superstars. All that, plus look who's agreeing with me now. Your daily Kickstarter of Uncensored Zabe is locked and loaded, so buckle up and let's go! <laughs> Here we go! Tuesday, August 25th, 2020. My God, where is August going? Thank you for downloading. Andy, in just a minute, will talk Tom Brenneman, his fatal broadcast mistake. We'll talk about all the times we would joke and fuck around off the air in the studio and why it used to be so hard to get in trouble for anything you said on the air. Also, Dan Snyder's latest round of billionaire minority investor trouble and how Luca may inspire the next generation of driveway hoopsters. Let's start with a serious topic, and that is the police officer shooting of a suspect in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Simply put, it looks terrible. And it looks to the layperson, just on the 20-second video, that that can't be proper police technique. To be grabbing a guy with one hand, a suspect, Uh, by the shirt, pulling him back out of his car, and then to shoot them at point-blank range in the back seven times. It doesn't look good. It It can't be proper police work. But that said, 
We've only seen 20 seconds of the video. And you can say, well, that doesn't matter. You should never do that. Okay, but we don't know if the guy had a knife. We don't know if there was a visible gun on the floor yet. We don't know what was said. There's a lot of things we don't know. And just because I say, well, I want to wait until I hear more, doesn't mean that I'm already excusing the actions. I say, it looks terrible. It can't be proper police work. Now, is it racist? That's a whole different kettle of fish now, isn't it? I saw a video someone posted today of two police officers who were uh, giving a guy a field sobriety test near a busy highway. Two officers, two fairly big male officers, and this is a medium-sized guy. And he is drunker than shit, almost falling over, and they're like, okay, you're going downtown. They bring him to the back of the car. They get ready to try to arrest him. Next thing you know, he goes into action mode and starts fighting the two of them. It is a hell of a fight. And these two police officers are not pussies. They're not small guys. He's fighting them both off. Who knows what drugs he might have been on. Super strength, gorked out of his mind. But he was giving them quite the tussle. And they... They seemingly, they, 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 they tased him at one point and he flopped like a fish out onto the road. And where one officer had to get out on the road to kind of make sure no cars came and ran over the guy. This was all caught on the dash cam of one of the cars. After he's tased and he's on the ground, they seemingly get the upper edge on him and they're starting to roll him over. They're trying to get him handcuffed. And then suddenly he gets a burst of second wind. And he fights them off again. It's the most amazing thing ever. But I'm sure it happens more than we ever know. Anyhow, fast forwarding, he ends up shrugging them off. He runs around to the front of the car, reaches into the cop car in front of him, grabs a handgun, bop, bop, shoots them both. Not fatally, although I guess one guy, you know, it was nearly fatal. And they're having a gunfight. On one side of the car and the other. Fucking crazy. So everyone likes to play armchair police officer. He should have tased him. He should have done this. You shouldn't. How come you can't do this? I mean, seriously? Check yourself on that. Google some videos and realize how south things can go very quickly. Again, I don't think it's great police work to be doing that. But I think the other thing that is now a troubling byproduct of what's been going on, we are draining the police force of any qualified, any good, not any, but we're draining the police force of the better and best officers. Cause they're like, why put up with this? This is not fucking worth it. Anyone who's a good cop who can retire is retiring. And the other ones who are good cops who want to serve and don't mind the work that are just getting into it now are saying, I the way this is going, fuck this, I'm out. So who does that leave behind? More of the bad cops. So we're diminishing the quality of the police department, and with the defunding that is being proposed and is in motion in certain cities, it's only going to make it worse. And then the other side of it is, if you are a person with ill intent, whether you're black, white, brown, anything in, in the middle, you are saying to yourself, well, this is the time to tell the officer, fuck, no, I ain't doing that. What are you going to do? Shoot me? Go ahead. Shoot me. Because they know 
this is a heightened time in which officers are going to be more reluctant than ever to use their firearm because they don't want their family getting death threats. They don't want to be put on trial for murder like the cop is in Atlanta. And so it's this double-edged, very bad dynamic where people with bad intent of any color, but especially uh, people of bad intent who happen to be black, are looking at like, no, fuck no. Now is the time to say, you're not arresting me today. If I'm standing up and I'm walking, fuck you. I'm walking. And it doesn't matter what you're wanted for. It doesn't matter how many guys are there. There is more of that sense going on. So how do we get out of it? How do we start finding solutions? How do we make things better? I don't know, but I'm all ears. I swear to God, I'm all ears. Pitch me something. Pitch me something I can get behind. I can say, hey, somebody sent me this idea. I think it's a good idea. We should try it. Until then, I don't know, man. I just hope there's fewer of these things. And I hope these uh, communities that have these incidents happen in them don't get burned to the ground because that ain't going to fix anything, that's for sure. Tim Murray is moving to Vegas. <laughs> a boy, Timmy. Tim Murray, our friend, colleague, my little brother, big brother, big ginger, is has gotten a job with VSIN, the Brent Musburger outfit in Vegas. He's moving to Vegas with his family, with his wife, his son, his dog, and I couldn't be happier. Haven't talked to him yet. We'll get him on the podcast to get the full details. But it's like, I'm happy for him on a number of fronts. Happy one because he's working, because it's a tough time in the industry. And he recently lost his gig at NBC Sports Washington, the Daily Line show with uh, Michael Jenkins. He's doing Bob and Brian now, so that's good. He can still do that from Vegas, although oh, it's going to be an early wake-up for him. But I'm just happy that he's working, he's got a job, and I'm more happy because Timmy's going to go on a great little adventure. You know, it's it's going to be different, but, I mean, I'm kind of jealous. Fucking Vegas. That is cool, man. And what I'm even happier for is that I was there with Tim. I brought him to Zay Vegas the one year, which is when he met Bob and Brian and you know became friends with them. And that helped lead to him getting that gig because they knew him and liked him and trusted him. But I remember being with Tim when he made his first $10 bet on the NCAA tournament. And he was as scared as a cat on a fucking hot tin roof. $10. I love it. And now he's going to be going to VSIN. Brent Musburger's, hey, partner, you are looking live. Gambling network in the Valley of Sin, Las Vegas, Nevada. Yes. Way to go, Tim Murray. Also, uh, ESPN just unveiled their new studios at the Link. At the Link, it's going to be uh, based in Vegas. They're going to do shows from there. And they're going to pump up bet- betting, gambling. What a golden time to be into gambling as a sports fan. And then there's this. Who's up for a one-game season? Apparently, North Dakota State has said, yeah, that'll work. Top quarterback prospect Trey Lance, who could be the latest flavor out of North Dakota State. Wait, is uh, Carson Wentz from North Dakota State or North Dakota? Quick, somebody check that. Uh, there's nobody here to check it. All right. Uh, Trey Lance, quarterback, is a top prospect. Could be a first-round pick, and 
he, he doesn't want to not play football this fall. So North Dakota State has agreed to play a single game against Central Arkansas, which will be the buzz of NFL circles. A showcase game sometime this fall. One game season. As if this isn't the craziest college season ever. And man, does it look like the Big Ten is sailing into a fucking disaster. The Big Ten and the Pac-12 look more and more like George Clooney's boat in the perfect storm. They look like they are heading for a disaster. Cases declining in the Sun Belt. Uh, Other things coming out you'll hear about later in the podcast. The tide is going back out again on this coronavirus. And in another month, when college football starts, because remember, it's not starting until late September. It could look even worse for the Big Ten. Holy shit. All right, let's see what Andy Poland is up to tonight. Hello. In all my years, Andy, I don't think I've ever seen a more shocking thing than Tom Brenneman imploding his career with a comment like that. Of all the people I would have thought, like Mike Bilberry saying something dumb and now stepping away, okay, fine. He's a putz who's been saying dumb shit for a while. Mm-hmm. Tom Brenneman. Wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it, it wasn't just what he said. It's what followed. That was the most bizarre apology I've ever seen. <laughs> the fact that he worked in the home run call, like his instincts were such that I know I'm narrating the final lines of my career right now, but and yeah. there's a long fly ball left. That's going to be a home run. Anyway, back to my groveling apology. <laughs> Right. And, and and the groveling began with the usual, if I've offended anyone, he went right to the people who signed his checks. And then he went to religion, which had nothing to do with I it. I know. I consider myself a man of faith. Yeah. He said, I yeah. hope there's some people that would vouch for me being a good person. All of this in a span of a double header, when clearly his career had flashed before his eyes. Yeah, and I don't really understand what the Reds were doing. I mean, if you're going to take them off, take them off. But don't put them back on to say, I'm off and I'm handing it to another guy. And, gee, I hope I get to put on a headset again. It just the, right. the whole thing was handled so poorly. You know, you and I s- spent a lot of time in a studio together during commercial breaks, joking around with uh, mm-hmm. our third wheel guest on the sports reporters, whether it was Naki or Lavero or Feldman. And every now and then, as we got it going, we'd kind of laugh, like, "Boy, you know, these mics, like <laughs> these mics. I hope they really aren't hot." But none of us ever said anything close to what. Brenneman said that would be considered mean-spirited, bigoted, racist, homophobic like that. That was a surefire, okay, you're going to get fired. To me, that wasn't a case of just he fell off an I-beam while working to build the Empire State Building while Mm -hmm. eating a sandwich. That's a bad line of software that's in his operating system, if you ask me, Andy. No, no question. The, the, the three-letter word came out so easily from his lips. It's not like, you know, he was caught quoting somebody or that's the first time he trotted it out. Right. Uh, yeah, he, he is. The other thing is, he's from a family that does this. So 
probably before he could walk, right. he was told, don't say anything naughty with an open microphone around. Yeah, and, and there it goes. So do you think he's finished? I do. Yeah, I, I think I think what will happen is he may resurface with like a small regional network and may try and claw his way back. But isn't that good? I, I agree. I, I never <laughs> liked him. I found him to be overly schmaltzy, kind of a poor man's Joe Tessitore. Yeah, and, and the father seemed to have a natural voice. He always seemed to be forcing it. You know? Oh, yeah. A little and, bit of a puke voice, that announcer yeah. voice. Right. And, Tom and Brenneman so, here, I tell you what, blah, blah, blah. If you spend any time With, around Tim T. You remember that. Oh, yeah. Oh, I hated that so much because I know Tim Tebow's a great guy, but the way he said it was so condescending to the viewers. I'm like, fuck off. Yeah, yeah. So he won't be missed. I guess not. But I mean, it just, you know, it shows the perils of the industry. And then you combine that with, you know, uh, uh, what's his name? Mike Milbury. Now, now what Milbury said, it needed a little bit of a twist to be safe. The, right. the twist on it would have been, you know, this bubble environment is great for the guys. It's all just hockey. Uh, they they don't even have, you know, their beautiful wives or girlfriends to distract them or to keep them tired at night. That's right. sort of a thing. And that would have passed as okay. He said it like, there's not even a woman here. Yeah. Well, it also, it's post Me Too movement. I think pre Me Too movement. And he's, I think he's about 60 years old, isn't he? Um, Milbury, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, I mean, the, the, he had to realize time and place, and things have changed dramatically in a very short period of time. Don't you feel like in our business and for what we do, the walls keep closing in all the time? Yeah, and especially the sports radio business, where it was supposed to be a boys' club when it started. Yeah. And I think it's becoming more and more evident that that's not going to be the case moving forward. That it's, uh, and, you know, maybe for, for better or for worse. I mean, certainly some we became comfortable with and we made, you know, jokes about things that, that are no longer acceptable. But, you know, I mean, that's, that's the, the way time passes. And, Look, I mean, you, you look at old clippings and you used and used to read stories about um, Jim Brown, the big Negro, they would call him, or uh, stories about Joe DiMaggio, the big Dago, you know, Jesus. Uh, oh, yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. Things that are no longer acceptable. 50 years or, ago, or, 70. How long ago was that? Well, I mean, DiMaggio last played in 1951. So yeah, they called him a become, Dago. Oh yeah, look at look oh at the big God. some of the news clippings. They'll 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 call them that, and that's just you know what was acceptable at the time. Oh my God! I mean, look, I, I'm not I'm all for you know being you know kind and sensitive as much as possible. But the one thing about sports radio and guys being guys is that you know guys break each other's balls, and so right. the the jocularity of the format has definitely suffered. And I got to thinking of why that is, and here's my theory. You let me know if you agree with it. And that is, in 1998, let's say, if somebody said something that was a little bit offbeat or off-color on a radio show, in sports radio, Mm -hmm. who would ever be able to let somebody of position of power know about it to the point where they would be moved into action? You'd have to call them or you'd have to email them. Right. And the email would be private 
and nobody would see it. And so therefore, nobody was pressured into acting. Social media has become the very toxic way that any little slight gets magnified and it scares the living shit out of broadcast entities and program directors. Well, I think that the line was in 2007 when Don Imus gave it that nappy-headed hose line. Uh, and I, About I, the I, Rutgers I, bas- women's basketball team? Right. And, and I had listened to Imus you know, for a long period of time when I was in New York and used to hear most of his show when I had a long commute. And of the thousand worst things he ever said, that wasn't in the top 10,000. But <laughs> uh, by that point, you had YouTube. You was had that 2007? 2007, yeah. yeah. And so social media. And once the snowball started rolling down the hill, it picked up for, you know, and his first reaction to it was, oh, get over it. Right. And then he realized it was serious. And then he apologized and he tried to apologize and he still kept his job. And then he went on Al Sharpton's show. And Al Sharpton called for a boycott of his sponsors. At that point, Sharpton was driving the bus. And that was the end of Imus on uh, NBC. I guess he resurfaced, sure. he did resurface for some years before the end of his career. But uh, I look at that as the real, a real change. That that was the time when things changed dramatically. I'm wondering if the pendulum would ever swing back to something a little bit more reasonable, where guys can be guys, and there's not this dancing around on eggshells. No, uh, you don't no. see it. Uh, not, no, not with not with social media. It'll not probably drive it. It'll probably drive it more to podcasts. But what you say, what I say on this podcast, can, in theory, be used yeah. against me. So Absolutely. I make so I make sure that you know while there is certainly profanity, uh, you know we're not we're not going down a super low road where it's like really, you know. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, you, you you put it out there. It's your content with your name on it. That's the way it goes. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, go figure. Uh, enough of Tom Brennan, uh, Brenneman. Enough of uh, what's his name, Mike Milbury. Moving right along. Uh, what do you want to talk about next? Did you see the New York Times story that dropped on Monday? The latest one about Dan Snyder and his minority partners. I don't know if you feel it, but I think he's in real trouble, Andy. I'm keep telling you this. You don't believe it. He is in real fucking trouble. Well, uh, yeah, I, I actually have the story right in front of me. In the actual, you know, that newspaper. Wow. And, yeah. You get the uh-huh. New York Times delivered to your driveway? No, I uh, took it from work. Uh, oh. This <laughs> <laughs> it was delivered. I hope you paid for it, sir. <laughs> no, not not for what they charge for the actual New York Times. God, it's, it's like three fifty, right? Uh, it's got to be at least that three dollars um, and fifty cents. But it, it says in the story that he's at war with Fred Smith, who's the chairman of FedEx. War, um, yeah, no, war. Okay, now here's my question: if if he's at war with the guy who's paying him to put his name on the stadium. What stops Fred Smith from ripping the name off the stadium and saying we're canceling the deal? Is there, there must be something in the contract that would allow him to do that, don't you think? I who knows? That's for the lawyers to determine. But the fact that they're, th- I mean, the fact that the New York Times reported that the league office had to get involved because Snyder got so pissed that they said, "Hey, we want to sell." Mm-hmm. That he took him off the board of directors, and then the minority investors went to the league and said. We want an arbitrator to fix this. This right. is now a Goodell problem. And yeah. that's why I think he's in real trouble. 
in, in real trouble in, in what regard? He's going to lose the team. He'll yes. Be on what grounds? The grounds of the league is like, we've had enough. I mean, that doesn't, that doesn't work. <laughs> You're talking about billions of dollars. It doesn't just say, yeah, we're tired of you, Dan. You got to sell. Hey, every owner, if they get to be too much of a liability, too much of a headache, they can yeah, be forced but, out. And there's but, enough dirt around Snyder. None of it's hit him directly yet. There's too much out there. Then there's him, him suing that company that put the the Indian based media company that put out the story yeah. which seemingly was very defamatory about him and Jeffrey Epstein and sex trafficking which was not true but mm-hmm. still the league doesn't want to be involved in this in any way shape or form even retaliatory lawsuits against some Indian website yeah I, I don't know can the other owners vote to force them to sell I don't know if they don't need happened. to vote well, you mean the other owners of the NFL teams I'm sorry the minority no. owners can just make Snyder's life miserable that's yeah. the thing they have billions of dollars yeah. they don't well, need the money they want Snyder out so they could keep rocking the boat from inside the boat for as long as they want I don't know if you've noticed this but you now hear about people being hired by the organization who call it the Snyders, that Tanya Snyder is now involved in the hiring. Oh, Julie oh, Donaldson oh. said that Jason Wright said oh, that. And oh. so that that's a level of insulation that he's got there as well. So I don't know. Um, have we, ta- have we talked about the new boss, the new prez? I think we have, uh, haven't we? I, I don't know. I don't think no, no, that you know what? It was a week ago today. It broke on a Monday. Broke. It it's, did it, out of nowhere. It, it 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 broke. Maybe we did do no. We we talked last I, Sunday. We I talked think. last Sunday. I don't think we did talk. So what do you make of the new boss? Well, Sounds like he's a sharp young man. Yeah, I, I think I think he everything he has said has has been spot on. I think he's got a great background. You know, he went to University of Chicago Business School. But he went to Northwestern. Apparently, Darren Ravella has his jersey from Northwestern. Yeah, he was. And I I talked to a a friend of mine, who uh, Dave Ennett, who's been doing the play-by-play there for 30 years. And uh, he said, you know, of all the guys who've come through there, that's one of the most memorable guys who ever played there. Uh, He was was the captain of the team. And University of Chicago is no joke as as an undergrad, much less grad school. That's where fun goes to die. So he was was very successful uh, and and in business, too. And here's another thing I like about him. He's been in this area since 2013. Oh, cool. He's been working here. So he's he's seen the service that this team has Cirrus. been through. Yeah. He's he's seen the Michigas up close. It just and, never ends. And you know, the thing about him and the new stadium push, it's gotta be downtown because you put this stadium in the wrong place, it it, it won't work. You know this well, area. Certain places. If they put the stadium south of Springfield, Andy, are you fucking going to it if you live in Rockville, Maryland? No chance. Well, he look it, it, from everything you hear, the D.C. City Council and the officials in D.C. couldn't stand Bruce Allen and hated Snyder even worse. This guy so half of it, half of it's out of the picture, which is why the other half. See, that's the thing. The stadium is key, Andy. The stadium will pass over lunch if Snyder's out and a guy like Bezos is in, guaranteed. Yeah. But but could this guy? Jason Wright, could he be a smooth enough operator to get it done? 
and keep Snyder back in his office so he doesn't get involved in the negotiations. I don't, I don't know. know. I, I can't stomach the thought of Snyder surviving this and getting a new stadium with a new name and people resetting the clock on, well, he's finally figuring it out 20 fucking years later. I can't stomach it. This will be the most devastating thing for me ever if that's the case. It's bad enough well, the team name had to go. If Snyder lives and survives as owner, oh, God. The Bidwell family has held on to the Cardinals for all these years. Uh, the old man was no treat. And how about the Colts? I mean, uh, Jim Irsay is, uh, well, he's kind of been up and down with some personal issues, but mm-hmm. pretty well liked. But his, his father was a horse's ass. A drunk. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. You're right. It's hard to get rid of owners. There has to be some real malfeasance. But Mm. I just get the sense that that Snyder's in trouble. We shall see. Uh, Todd Reardon out as head coach of the Capitals. I know you love talking about coaching changes in hockey. Well, in this particular case, they looked at something and said, "Mm, this makes perfect sense. All the players like him. Uh, we were going to hire him at a couple of points during the season, the Stanley Cup season, when Barry Trotz won games to save his job. So this should be a very easy transition. Well, you know, this is another case of the Capitals hiring a coach who didn't have previous head coaching experience. Since Ted Leonsis has owned the team, I think they've hired seven or eight coaches. Only one of them had previous head coaching experience. That was Barry Trotz. So they've tried to go on the cheap all these times and yeah. finally brian mcclellan says oh yeah we got to hire somebody now with head coaching experience here's another thing that bothered me about the mcclellan news conference yesterday he said he could tell by christmas that things were starting to fall apart this is hockey where you hire a coach fire a mid-season yeah i mean i think the devils won the stanley cup one year where their coach was hired a month before the they, regular season ended. They fired Robbie Fatorik a month into the season and put Larry Robinson, the old battle axe in charge, won the Stanley Cup. Right. So <laughs> so this is on McClellan. If, if he's seeing that with a veteran team and Ovechkin's playing great and he's got you know guys who are – the window is closing for him, get another coach. But no, they had signed him. Did you know they signed him to a four-year deal? No, that Reardon had a four. That's crazy. I know so they didn't want to. They didn't want to eat two and a half years of the deal. Oh God! You know, and here's the thing: this is such a low-hanging, candy-filled sports radio pinata. If you're a longtime DC resident and a host, you could say this team had a Stanley Cup in the trophy case. They had a talent to do it at least one more time, if not twice more, and they wasted it because the owner was too cheap to pay the guy who just wanted what the market would bear. But what if those sports radio hosts might have been in a convertible in the parade itself, Andy? As a guest of the owner, what if they were given rings, replica rings? Could they be neutral arbiters and hammer this owner for this colossal mistake that he has made? Well, you know, in in some fairness to them, and I do like them all personally, uh, in some fairness, they that is the flagship station of the Capitals. But the morning show was I know. in the parade. Uh, in it. I understand. I understand. But, you know, as our friend Tom Lavero says, there's no line anymore. I guess I not. <laughs> I, I listen to the junkies and I like them and I know them like you do, Andy, and I, I do like them. But I listen this morning, uh, the day yeah. after, and I go, yep, they're just tiptoeing around it. They yeah, are not taking out the big bats to clobber Ted for this. 
Right. Because right. why would you, right? Like, do you want to be in the parade when they win a championship? Do you want a replica <laughs> ring? Or do you want to say, Jesus, Ted's cheap. Pay the fucking coach, for God's sakes. Yeah, and, and McClellan also said they were willing to pay market value. They just didn't like the terms. Well, they gave another guy four years. I know. So they, he, you know, and they probably could have gotten it down to four years also for trots would have had to pay more per year, but I think they probably could have done that. All right. Uh, last thing here, at, at least with you and I, um, your son, Jeremy loves basketball. Yes. College basketball in particular. Right. But he played in high school. He was mm-hmm. a, he was an end of the bencher, but a self-made man. With mm-hmm. modest athletic talent, but a mean driveway game assisted by his old man. And when he made the high school team, uh, you were very proud of it. I was proud of him as my surrogate son that never was. <laughs> and I know how much he loved the game. I also yeah. know how suburban white kids think about the NBA. We think of it like landing on the fucking moon. Right. It is not a realistic dream for a suburban white kid. So here you have Luka Doncic being called a white-ass punk or no a white ass bitch boy yeah right and yeah, white ass something like that or, yeah. or, uh, a bitch ass white boy yeah sorry that's it yeah <laughs> Not ding, white, ding, ding. Bitch, <laughs> called a bitch ass white Anna, boy turn all the letters there it is <laughs> <laughs> by montrez harrell in game three he sprained his ankle in that game and then turns around in game four and puts up an unbelievable scorched earth game capped by a 28-foot, as the horn sounds, buzzer beater, while Montrez Harrell had two points, one rebound, and was minus 19 in terms of plus-minus. Talk to me about the fact that maybe the new star of the NBA is going to be white. It's going to be white, and he's going to be foreign for a team that had the last great, greatest maybe ever in, uh, in Dirk Nowitzki. Dirk Nowitzki, and, and foreign player, and now they, they the baton is passed to Luka Doncic. Now, this is not really the suburban driveway kid. I mean, no. he was playing professionally overseas when he was like 16 years old and holding his own. Right. So, um, you know, and he's, he's but he's coming. But but here's the thing: when you look at him, you go, yeah, kind of doughy looking. You know, he's six seven. They list him at. 218 he looks like he weighs a little bit more than that and he just knows how to play the game and yeah. he's got huge onions i mean and and shooters shoot he he made that shot which was near half court to win the game but he's thrown up three air balls from three in the fourth quarter yeah um and and kept doing it the other thing i i, I this is this is the the old man in me when i watch this these games it's it's a tie game okay the clippers have the ball with 24 seconds left to go plenty of time to set up any kind of shot they want, get somebody in the lane, get them fouled, nope, drop, dribble, 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 hand it off to Kawhi Leonard, who throws up a three, misses overtime. They're happy with that. Why wasn't there more of an effort to win the game in regulation? Why did we have to go to this? I don't get it. Uh, you are preaching to the choir. I think there's a lot of fundamentals to the game that are just being ignored rampantly yeah. at the pro level. It's a, it's a shooter's game. It's a run-and-gun game. A defense, eh, if you want to play some defense, that's fine, but it's kind of optional at this point. The yeah. thing is, what I want to know is, will Luka Doncic be a poster for young white American kids to say, hey, I could be in the league, why not? Because the only white American stars are typically the grinder point guards or the big men. 
Yeah, not Larry Bird. We are going way back, though. That's the thing. My point is there hasn't, like, Luca's tracking as a NBA superstar. Right. Higher than any American-born white guy in my lifetime. Yeah. I mean, who's... So why is that? J.J. Redick? And J.J. Redick is just a grinder. J.J. Redick is a nice player, but not even close to being a star. Right. Is yeah, it because it, white kids get diverted to other sports that they deem more realistic along the way and they don't uh, play basketball? Is that why it takes a European uh, to say, I want to make the league? I don't know, but it would seem now that the game is more suited to the driveway player. And true. You know, Steph, Steph Curry is is African-American, but mixed race is a mixed race. Whatever it was, he, he grew up with wealth. So he had a yes. He had a, Yo, he had right, <laughs> right. Steph Curry, even though you know he's mixed race, considered black, but he he had mad driveway game too, much right. like suburban white kids because he grew up in Charlotte with his dad. And right. there's nothing wrong with it, by the way. And no, I'm not saying Harold should be suspended, but goddamn, Andy, the league has to at least recognize it, put out a statement, and fine him. They're just gonna let this wash down the river, aren't they? Like la 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 la. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I heard uh, Jay Williams take him to task. Saying you know he needed to apologize, which he did. He did apologize, right? Carol, but was was Jay Williams right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, and, and and I think Barkley said the same thing. I mean, you know, you yeah. can't you can't you can't have it you know one way and not the other. So exactly. yes, that 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 was that was the right thing to do. But but the the, the, you know, the issue of of where the next generation of players is coming from when shooting seems to be the most valued thing. I don't know. It's it's it is bizarre in that there aren't more players now the way the game is played that are coming from the suburban driveways. Yeah. I dropped my daughter off at college on Saturday. Oh, muscle tough. Thank How you. Was it was it went smoothly. Uh mom did a great job. She had everything prepared, did not get too hysterical and crying. It was a little tense at the end, but it was fine otherwise and uh mm-hmm. we're hoping for the best. You did that with Samantha at okay. Wisconsin. Was there anything dramatic? Do you have any advice now for me going forward as she's in college? Well, no, she's long out of college. Oh, your daughter. Yeah, college. any advice from me? Yeah. Like, well, okay, here, the, the hard part of getting her in is now over. What now, Andy? Well, they, as I've told people, the two most tearful days of her Wisconsin life were the day I dropped her off. Yeah. Uh, and I dropped her off myself. Uh, I made the trip. I, I, believe it or not, I got all of her stuff in a Honda. Wow. I had a over, overnight bag for me, and it was back to the gills with her stuff. And we drove, and, and I got her there. And, uh, yeah, it was that moment where she had one foot in childhood and one foot in adulthood, and she wasn't you know, quite ready to make the transition. But I said goodbye, and then, you know, a couple days later, it was fine. The next most tearful day she had was when she graduated. She loved it. She she thought those four years were the best four years of her life, and I'm assuming Megan will find the same thing. Is it Christopher Newport? Is yeah, Christopher going? Newport. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, I mean, I think. Uh, hey, look, I mean, who, who among us wouldn't like to be back in college? Now? Andy, not not at the moment with the COVID. But, no, no, but you're right. And and when she was kind of like a little bit sketchy when we were down there, I said I'd trade places with you <laughs> in a heartbeat. Absolutely. It all came flooding back to me, the college experience, and I was like, God, what a world. What a world if you're lucky enough to go to college and your parents pay for it. Oh, Oh, well. (laughs) All right, Andy. Always good to talk to you. Thank you for your time, brother. All right, Zach. Take care. See you.
It's amazing what's happening right now in some parts of the world with coronavirus uh, that is maybe not getting as much run as it should. Get this. In the UK, Boris Johnson says, quote, failure to reopen schools is not an option. Not only did uh, Johnson say this, but all four chief medical officers in the UK say that it will be harmful for children to remain at home and that the COVID risk is exceptionally small. And the four of them issued a joint endorsement urging and and reiterating the government's, government's commitment in the UK to get every pupil back into the classroom next week. That's remarkable. That's not how it is here in the States. Now, is it? We have school districts that are actually setting up daycare services in the schools that are closed, staffing them with non-teachers, and charging parents an additional $100 to $160 or more per week. No food, no supplies instead of just teaching kids as normal. Wow. Oh, and I'm not sure if you saw this. Maybe you did. Maybe the nightly news led with it. Right. The CDC said today they do not advise testing asymptomatic people for COVID-19. That's right. The Centers for Disease Control said, even if you have been around somebody who is a confirmed COVID positive person, you do not necessarily need a test test if you're asymptomatic because the test will not guarantee that you won't show signs later or you won't test positive in a day or two later or that you won't contract the virus a day or two later. So therefore, unless you have symptoms, it's not necessary to get a test. You can if you want, but it's not needed. They also said if you've been if you have not been exposed to anybody with the coronavirus, there is no need to get a test. So the CDC has said flat out asymptomatic testing is no longer recommended. <laughs> well then, we need to stop quick. Will states start ramping down their testing? And when the percent positive goes up, just because, you know, hashtag math, will the media freak out about it? Oh my God, percent positivity is up to a 14%. Yeah, well, we're doing half as many tests and we're only doing it on people we know have symptoms. Yeah, but that's bad. There's so many metrics out there that are clashing against each other in terms of total cases, percent positive, downward trend. Oh, by the way, the Sunbelt states in complete decline across the board. Complete decline. It keeps on keeping on. California, Texas, Arizona, Georgia, Florida. It's a straight downward shot, almost like somebody would have predicted. Cases go up. It goes up in a curve, the pandemic curve. But a lot of places still not fully open and not showing signs of wanting to further open. And you have to ask yourself, well, then when, how, 
Sean McDermott, head coach of the Buffalo Bills, didn't like the fact that in week two, the Dolphins, when they play the Bills, are going to have upwards of 20,000 or 20% in the stands according to their plan. It's not going to be a huge loud crowd, but he's like, how come there's no consistency? He said the NFL should have a standard across the board, but they can't because of some teams in some places are more strict than others. Would the NFL dare to say, you know what, we're taking everybody down to zero? I don't know if they can exactly. They could argue, well, it's a competitive balance thing. Then the thought got in my head, well, some places like Atlanta got busted for piping in fake crowd noise. How loud are you allowed to pump the fake crowd noise in the weeks in which there are no fans in the stands? I don't know. Hey, did somebody just step on a duck? Did you hear that? I heard that, but I'm sitting right here. Oh my God. If you heard that, I apologize. That is the official first ever live flatulence right here on this. Oh God. Right here on the Zapecast. All right. Why don't you wrap it up and go to the bathroom, you pig. Sorry about that. Thank you for listening. Have yourself a great Tuesday. Tell a couple friends about this podcast. Tell them that the farting is unusual. In fact, that was the first time. Otherwise, it's just good, interesting content presented by a professional broadcaster who's been doing this for years. So he has not just a gift for Gab, but an ability to synthesize and focus and to lay out for you interesting things to think about and talk about with his guests. You know, not just mindless yammering like some podcasts are. Tell a couple friends, rate and review as always to please our algorithmic overlords. Have yourself a great Monday and we will Tuesday and we will see you tomorrow. Here it is, a groove slightly transformed Just a bit of a break from the norm Just a little something to break the monotony Of all that hardcore dance that has gotten to be a little bit out of control